Digital transformation continues to accelerate, yet most companies still struggle to achieve success. What sets the leaders of successful companies apart? In this podcast, top business leaders share what their goals are, why they're successful, and how they drive effective digital initiatives for their companies and for their customers. Welcome to the Walk Me Podcast. This is Digital Adoption. Episode 3, The Rise of the Remote Workforce, with our guest, Christina Johnson, the CPO of Okta, co-hosted by Samutha Reddy and me, Leah Siener. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us. Today on the podcast, I am really excited. I have two people with me today. First of all, I have a co-host, a Walk Me co-host, who I'm psyched to have joining me, Samutha Reddy, who manages the customer marketing here at Walk Me. Hey, Samutha. Hi, everyone. Hey. And our guest today, who I am so happy to have joining us, is Christina Johnson. She is the Chief People Officer at Okta, and we are just so happy that you're here. Thank you so much for joining us, KJ. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. All right. So let's dive in, KJ, and just start hearing from you. You are the CPO, the Chief People Officer at Okta, which most people listening to this probably use. Um, so that's a pretty you know, incredible role that you hold, and that's a lot of people that I'm sure you are invested in giving them the best possible experience that they can have. Um, can you give us a little insight, just share, like, what are your main goals as the CPO of a company like Okta? What are your goals for your people? Yeah, sure. Well, first, I just want to say thanks for having me. I'm really excited to do this. I do remember all of the the March Madness where everyone was, you know, running to try and make their events virtual, which was which was pretty interesting. But as the chief people officer, I'm responsible for everything around our human capital management strategy from recruiting people to retaining them, developing them, our total reward strategy. And as Samutha mentioned, we we were early adopters on this, you know, digital transformation journey. We we're not clairvoyant, but we were in the very fortunate position of starting what we call dynamic work initiative. And I refer to dynamic work as uh, it's, it's remote work on steroids, right? It's, it's becoming fully distributed and really dynamic beyond just having people not physically located in an office. It's much bigger than that. And so we started that journey in uh, December of last year with our London office, and we did a test pilot there and the test pilot was all around, no one has a dedicated desk, there's neighborhoods. And we were enabling the tech stack and the ability for people to have access to tools so that they could connect from anywhere. And so when, you know, fast forward to March, when COVID hit, we were in the fortunate position that we had already started iterating on that, right? And so it, I wouldn't say it was easy or seamless by any means, but we, we were able to adapt much easier than a lot of organizations because we were already thinking about it and we had already learned you know had some lessons and learnings from the london test pilot and then we rolled it out in january of this year with uh with my organization also the workplace organization so it's it's been challenging but it was you know in hindsight it's one of those things you would never wish that you would never wish a, a global pandemic uh, but in hindsight the fact that we had already started thinking about this and we started thinking about it because this is it's what Okta does, right? This is what we do. We enable any any technology. You can connect with any technology, whether you're a customer, you're a partner, um, it, employee. You are able to connect securely and seamlessly in, in a safe way. Um, and so that's what Okta does, and that's why we were, you know, forward thinking in that way. 
And back in December, KJ, when you first started thinking of this dynamic workforce um, initiative, what did kind of success look like? What were your goals that you were trying to reach or how are you going to say, okay, dynamic work, uh, you know, was a success at Okta? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. We, we had several metrics that we were, we were thinking about, primarily what percent of people we want in the office full-time versus what percent we want in, in a hybrid situation or we call partially dynamic. And then also the ability to create a really, really compelling employee experience, which that's the difficult part. The, it's the easy part almost is saying, okay, you, you come to the office one day a week or you, you're fully you know, remote or you're in the office every day. There's a, a, you know, a really small percentage of employees that would fall into that bucket. That was the easier piece and really we're there now it, we when we looked recently at our percentages of who's who we are hiring remote versus who we're hiring to sit in an office we would check that box and say oh that's successful but that's almost the easier piece it's trying to create a really compelling employee experience because we don't have the face-to-face -face anymore you know and you're trying to recreate something uh, virtually that's easy to do in person, not so easy to do virtually. So that's been, that's probably been the challenge and that's the piece we're still working on. Yeah, that is spot on as, you know, as someone who is thrilled to be working in my pajamas at first, I watched really, I watched the motivation just be sky high and yeah. just be like, this is it. Why weren't we doing this the whole time? And then slowly, like against my, you know, wishes start to realize that I was missing certain things. And now I'm seeing that just with experimenting, you know, companies, you know, need to figure out how to recreate what was there, that environment. It's like, you're no longer at work, you're in work. So how can you get the good and not just the, you know, the hustle and the stress and the productivity, but how can you get the fun and the camaraderie and the sense of belonging and the community. And those do seem to be the harder aspects to bring together for, sure. for remote work. Absolutely, that's the big challenge. And, and I was like you, I was so thrilled. And I actually am still thrilled to be working from home because I had a really long commute. I was on the road three hours a day. So I'm like, oh. okay, I'm good. Uh, but you know, I was, I was the same way, like, okay, I'll make just this part of me look presentable. The back of my hair is a total mess and I'm in my pajamas, you know, I hope I don't have to stand up. But what happened about halfway through, people were like, okay, Zoom fatigue, right? I can't like no more. And, and we, the pendulum shifted. It went from always have your camera on, make sure you're connected, make sure you're getting FaceTime to feel free to turn your camera off, go back to the old fashioned phone call. And people got to the point where they almost, you know, you invite them to a, a virtual happy hour and they feel like it's a punishment right? because the pendulum swung the complete other way. So to your point, the most challenging piece has been when we can't physically be together, how do we recreate a really good, compelling experience? Because there's no other way to do it except, except virtually. So it's, it's challenging. Yeah. And is there a way you're kind of measuring those things, KJ, taking into account employee sentiment, how they're feeling, not, not just about kind of company culture and missing that intangible in-office feeling, but also things like what's their relationship like with technology now that they're home? There's no IT person to tap on. There's no neighbor to say, hey, will you remind me how this works? How are you kind of um, going and feeling like you really have a gauge on what your employees are thinking and feeling? 
Yeah, it's been really interesting. We've done, we've been doing surveys, of course. We've kind of backed off that as well. We were doing a lot of surveys at first around how are they feeling just with COVID and the stress in general, um, and also about being remote and trying to, to keep a pulse on how they're feeling because it's been the most, one of the most interesting things to me has been the wide range of differences in how people are feeling about this. Mm -hmm. So an example is we had our annual leadership summit, which we would normally go somewhere fun like Napa for a week. And of course, we're virtual online for four days. And some of the employees that normally would be less engaged when we were in person, they were so engaged because they could be virtual. They didn't feel that pressure of being face to face with people. They're not the most social people to begin with, right? In some cases. They didn't even want to have their camera on, but they were highly engaged and interacting. And I found it really, really interesting. And I thought, wow, it's interesting that for some people, it's creating a barrier, not being in person, and they're not feeling connected. And for other people, they're feeling more connected because it's almost, I think it's almost like a safety net for people who are not really social people to begin with and, and not comfortable with that. And so it's almost like a, like I said, like a safety net and they were more engaged than ever. So I think it's, it's really, it will be very, very interesting a year from now, 18 months from now to see how this has really transformed the, the landscape around employee experiences. And the other thing that was interesting to me is the wide range of opinions on remaining remote. Some people just can't wait to get back to the office, which surprised me. I thought everyone would be like, this is awesome. I want to work from home. But for some people, it's not conducive to work from home. For other people, they're just very social. And, and that's one of the benefits of being physically in an office, having that social interaction. So there's been a really wide range of it. But we've tried to, to keep the pulse with our employees by surveys and just encouraging managers to have more frequent check-ins and just see how their employees are doing. Yeah, it's interesting when you were saying that you guys started working on this well before, you know, anyone knew about the pandemic and that everyone would have to be working from home. So I wonder if there's some wisdom in that. Why were you already experimenting with the idea of a remote workforce? What were the benefits that you saw? Because now we're kind of in it. So maybe it's harder in a way to, to remember what the bright side was, but what, what were you looking for when you guys initially started experimenting with that? Yeah, it's a great question. And it, I have been working really closely with our head of workplace, and he really has been the visionary behind this. He's the one that coined the term dynamic work versus remote work. Mm. And it, there, were, there were several pieces around it. Number one, as I mentioned before, it's what we do. It's what Okta does. We have this platform that allows people to seamlessly connect from anywhere, and it's what we help our customers do. But the other piece was we really do envision this being the workforce of the future. We, everyone talks about digital transformation and how it's changing the world, and it is. And I think one of the things the pandemic has taught us is that you can be just as, you can be just as productive working yeah. remotely, right? But that was something that we kind of had that vision of even before because it's our platform, because it's what we do. And we were also thinking about growth. So for companies that are growing, especially if you're growing super fast, like Okta is in the fortunate position to be doing, you have to, the, the traditional methods of finding talent, especially with the skill set that we're looking for, doesn't work. It doesn't scale to be hiring, you know, thousands of people a year. And so this dynamic work really widens the aperture when you're on, on that lens that you're looking for talent through. 
we no longer had to think about somebody that's geographically close to San Francisco or Chicago or our London office. We could, we could really flip the talent acquisition on its head. Instead of we build offices or we have geographic locations and then we find people, we throw out the, the physical footprint altogether and say, who has the skills and you know, who is bringing these, you know, this, these specialized skill sets that we need um, to Okta, no matter where they are. We don't care if you're in Fargo, North Dakota, or if you're in Switzerland, or if you're in San Francisco. You know, if you have the skill set that we need, we can hire you because we have the technology stack and we have the ability to equip you to be productive and work, work from anywhere. So it was, it was really about growth and it was also about thinking that this really is the, the this will be the way of the future. And it will also be interesting to see what this does to the talent pool. If you think about supply and demand, this will this is really going to open up the the supply of talent for organizations all over the world. And are you do you have the data back yet, KJ, on um, kind of where you are hiring? Have those kind of pools shifted to places like uh, North and South Dakota? Are they staying kind of centralized within the major cities? You know, it, we, we do, not on specific geos, but we do have the data back in terms of how many people we are now hiring not connected to an office. Mm -hmm. And it's, um, I'm trying to recall the numbers now off the top of my head, but we are, I believe in the neighborhood of 60% of the uh, people that we are hiring right now. So 60% of our hires are not necessarily physically tied to an office. And this has just been the last couple of weeks. I'm not talking about our, our overall Okta demographic right now. But we've definitely seen that shift. What I think is interesting is these people keep talking about wanting to move out of these high cost um, areas and move into low cost areas, right? It will be interesting to see a year, two year, maybe it's a five year thing from now, are these low cost areas still low cost? Because the mobility that we're seeing and the movement we're seeing you know, out of the cities, that's gonna take a while. So we're not necessarily seeing, uh, we can't necessarily put a, put a um, you know, a pin in the map on, you know, geos where there's new talent pools, but I think it will happen. It will definitely happen. And, and we partner with like LinkedIn Insights to take a look and see if we're looking for this specific skill set, where in the world can we find that? And I think we will start to see new talent hubs. It's early, but we'll definitely start to see new talent hubs. And we're 100% seeing a shift in hiring people that are not tied to a physical office location or even where we have an office. It's a ripple effect, absolutely. I think the three of us need to mark this date and time and come back a year from now and really be able to look at that insights data and see kind of how the world um, has changed. And I think there's probably also impacts on culture in general when you talk about not hiring in kind of the three major cities within the US and really spreading out. You're getting different kinds of people um, really mixing in that we, maybe you wouldn't have otherwise. And I think specifically with onboarding, there's probably a big difference between being onboarded in person and then switching remote versus someone maybe in a different geo that's completely remote from onboarding yeah. on. How are you thinking about that onboarding experience for those folks who kind of have never stepped foot in an auto office, uh, have never met you in person, have only seen you through a computer screen? Yeah, it's been, it's been really interesting. And one thing that we had started was reimagining our employee onboarding. So we were doing this as part of our shift towards dynamic work before the pandemic hit. Of course, we've, you know, we've had to go back to the drawing board and rethink a lot of things. Um, but what I was saying even last year was um, optimize remote first. 
if you optimize for your remote employees, so whether it's how they get onboarded when they first come on, um, when they first come on board, what their new hire experience is, how they're getting functionally enabled, how they are meeting their teams, how they meet their manager. If you optimize that experience for your remote employee, you're automatically going to get it right for the in-person employee, right? Because we usually do the opposite. We think about everything as this in-person, um, you know, an in-person experience, and then we just kind of, you know, bootstrap it for everybody else and they get what's left over. But what we had started doing last year was no optimize for the remote employees first. And so we reimagined our, our onboarding. It's of course remote now, but we were planning for it to be remote anyway. Um, it's a two day experience that spans five hours over two days, but we have been very intentional and, and purposeful about making it really compelling. So we've tried to move away from the do your new hire paperwork, here's your benefits, here's your laptop, to let, take a walk through the Okta dashboard. You know, here's our platform, here's our market opportunity. You know, log into Slack, find your favorite Slack channel, go into our social giving arm, our Okta for good arm. You already have employee dollars in there that we've given you to donate. Go in and donate to your charity. So trying to create these really um, impactful employee experiences that will be memorable versus the housekeeping items that new hire orientation is normally about. And so it's, it's been going really well, but of course there's, you know, there's still people that are, are just more social by nature and as human beings, we're just designed to connect. And so it definitely has been challenging for those employees who were onboarded either right before the pandemic hit or during the pandemic and they've never set foot in an office. And it's just, um, it's, it's a very different experience, but I, you know, I believe necessity is the mother of invention. And it's, it's amazing to see how innovative people have become and really trying to reach out and develop EQ and be more aware of others and their, their feelings and how they're perceiving things. And so I think that might be one silver lining from all this is that as managers and just as employees and, and as human beings in general, I think people are developing a different level of EQ um, and emotional awareness because of the pandemic and because of the need to think outside the box on ways to connect with employees. Hmm. As an executive team, how are how is kind of Octa's executive team making sure to stay engaged with kind of this workforce that you're now hiring 60% to be remote? Have you personally felt a shift? I'm sure, um, you know, coming into this position, you maybe would have never thought you'd be introducing yourself to an entire portion of your three team only via Zoom. Personally for you, what it, what's it been like uh, balancing being an executive, working from home, your family life? How has that mix been working? Yeah, I, I'm probably no exception for just like everyone else, right? I have good days and bad days and challenging. I have four kids, two still at home. I've got a crazy dog. Um, my husband's job has always been considered essential, so he's not not at home. So, um, but I've been fortunate. At least I don't have you know really young children. I think about people with you know, you know, some people have three kids under the age of six running around in their house, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, how do you do it, right? It's it's crazy, but um, the executive team really has done a, I would say a fantastic job of stepping up and staying connected to employees. One thing that we've always done is a weekly all hands. So every Friday, uh, Todd, our CEO or our co-founder, Frederick Karist will lead a all hands. Everyone dials in, you know, thousands of people dialing in, we'll do anonymous Q and A. And we also walk through just what's going on at Okta. And so it was, 
it was a fantastic way for Todd as the CEO and our, you know, fearless leader to stay connected and have, you know, be a face every single week with the employees. And we was talking through the pandemic, was talking through all the racial unrest that was going on, talking about Black Lives Matter, you know, really staying connected to the employees and in the time where people are, you know, they're feeling really uncertain and there's a lot of anxiety going on. And so the fact that we always, we had always done that was, it was unique because I think a lot of CEOs or executives were suddenly, you know, wanting to have all hands meetings with employees or suddenly they were, you know, in front of the company really often, which was the, which was great. But at the same time, the employees were like, oh, what's going on? This must be serious. You know, we don't, we don't hear from this person every day. So the fact that we do that every week and we continue to do it has been a really good way to stay, stay connected. When the, when the pandemic first hit, the Todd's Directs, the executive team, we were meeting every single morning. Every single morning, we would do a stand-up just to check in and see, like, what's happening and how are we going to stay connected to our employees and how are we going to make sure everyone's okay? How are we supporting them? Um, but the executive team's done a really good job of, of staying connected. I was just thinking about something along the lines of what you were saying Um it's the, the merging of the worlds. I have to sign in to Okta to get into our blog on WalkMe um, in order to upload posts. It's, you know, it's a push notification on my phone. And like probably at least half the time when I need to press, yes, it's me on the Okta app, my son has my phone. And so now it's become this family, you know, dynamic where I go, you know, can you press yes, it's me? And he goes, yeah. Or he goes, you know, Okta. And I go, press yes, it's me. And it's like become this family experience. And it's just Love so it. crazy. These work and home, you know, situations were so separate and now they're so integrated. And we've all had the meetings where, you know, the kid or the dog or the delivery man or whatever, you know, interrupts your meeting. Or that combination. Yeah, or everyone at the same time. And it would just, you know, never have been okay or corporate or professional in the past. And there's just a certain, you know, full self to the max, Amitha, you know? Um, and I, I do think that the leadership of each company has a massive amount of responsibility right now in determining what's okay in the new company culture, what's okay, what's permissible, you know, what's professional, like these are all completely new definitions now. Uh, a company that used to be really laid back before because maybe the dress code was really, really casual, it's irrelevant now. Now, you know, you have to redefine what it means to be a really laid back company, you know? It's just really interesting. And I think for your, you know, department in particular, working with people, this is like a lot of the responsibility I think falls into HR. There's a lot of pressure on IT, obviously, to make sure that everyone's equipped digitally, but I don't think there's any less responsibility on, you know, the teams actually making sure that the customer, that the employee experience is really solid um, in, in aiding this transition. Yeah. You know what, Lee, I have a great story. I, I love your story about your son and the push. I have something really similar. I would, I would yell out to one of my kids. They would always have my phone, right? Like I just sent a push. I sent right. a push and they're like, okay. And then my husband would be like, what's a push? My husband's not in the technology industry. So he's like, what are you guys talking about? They're like, okay, I approved it. But then with the multi-factor and biometric authentication, now it requires my face. So I remember at one point I hadn't realized that we had, we had made that switch. And I said, I sent a push. 
and my son's like, it's not letting me, it's, it's not saying it's not recognizing me, right? And he had to bring right. it in face authentication. But so I love those stories. We have a lot of those, you know, ar around my, my house as well. I think that um, to your point of what's acceptable and what's not and kind of uh, creating this new norm around um, what we expect out of employees, I don't think we're there yet, right? I think we're still kind of working through it. Um, I, my kids are constantly coming in and interrupting me. I was um, waiting to, to get into Todd's staff meeting uh, one Monday morning, and I remember I didn't realize I wasn't on mute, and I said to one of my kids, lose the attitude quick or you're not going on any sleepovers. <laughs> and then I, people burst out loud, and I was like, oh, that's not for you. I'm sorry. I thought I was on mute, right? But it, it's those things that, it, you know, it brings out the humanness in everybody, right? Yeah. And people are really starting to... Um, redefine what's acceptable and what's professional but like I said I don't think we're there yet and what I one thing I hope we're careful about is that we don't we the pendulum doesn't swing back the other way so when this first started everyone was like don't worry if your kids come in don't worry if your dog's barking you know whatever's going on in the background's fine um and now it, we've started to be like okay put on your virtual background and you know make sure make sure you're in a quiet place and make yeah. sure you know it's like well no we're going we're going back the other way and people are still in the same situation they're still working from home or living at work however you want to look at it and they still are you know homeschooling and trying to do this remote learning and all of that so um it, it it's going to be interesting to see see where we land I don't want to run out of time. I want to get to ask you the hot seat questions because they're right. really fun. So let's do it. Are you ready for the hot seat? Let's do it. Welcome to the hot seat. Now let's get a little more personal with the hot seat questions. KJ, when you were a child, what did you want to be when you grew up? I wanted to be Wonder Woman. I will never forget that. I loved, you guys are probably too young to remember the Wonder Woman show, but Linda Carter was Wonder Woman and my sister and I used to watch that show and I thought she was just so cool with her, her invisible jet and her, her golden lasso. Um, you guys all have to pull, pull up old time movies <laughs> this weekend when you guys are bored. But yeah, that was my- That's that awesome. My, that was my dream. Well, it's not exactly the same, but I would say that being a, you know, C-level executive in a company like Okta is Wonder Woman-esque. I, I think you might have to it's tip your hat I, to that. It's as close as I'm going to get. I can tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty, it's pretty awesome. It's pretty awesome. Okay. What is the last app that you downloaded? Last app I downloaded, uh, Life 360. It's a- it's a, an app where the whole family can, I can see where my kids are. So I can get on my phone and I can look for my daughter and I can see exactly where she is. Same thing with my son. Um, not that there's anywhere to go these days, <laughs> but when we are able to, you know, go back out again, it's just a good way to, you know, keep tabs on. on awesome. Small That's great. I'm going to write that down. <laughs> you, you'll love it. It's great. That's awesome. Okay. What is the one piece of advice you would give someone going into a leadership position for the first time? Hmm. It's got to be um, hire people that are smarter than you. Hire, hire people that you think could take your job in a year. And in a year, if they have it, they probably deserved it. In the meantime, everyone looks good and we're getting stuff done. You have to hire people better than you. It's all about the team and the people that you hire. And I think one rookie mistake that new managers make is they're afraid to hire someone that makes them feel threatened or maybe knows more than them when that's exactly what they should be looking for. That's an incredible piece of advice, KJ. Great Especially for me, that's kind of shifting into the next portion of my career. That's 
I'm going to have to write that one down. That's awesome. Yeah. It's, I always remind myself that when I'm hiring, could this person take my job? Maybe. Okay, good. You're hired. <laughs> you're wow. in. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. What is, sorry, what's the first software experience that you remember having? Gosh. Um, well, I'm so old, but my first software experience was probably when I was in college. And back then, when I was in college, it, you know, there were these main, these huge clunky, you know, there was no such thing as cell phones, right? And, and there were these huge clunky computers. And I remember there were, we were, it was actually a human capital management software. It might have been SAP, way, way ancient SAP. Um, and I just remember thinking, this is the most inefficient thing in the world. You get. It, it would be more efficient to like write it down on a piece of paper than try and get it into this computer. It was that, um, it, it was that much, you know, uh, brain damage, just trying to deal with it. So it was, um, it was not fun. Wow. And now to think where you are now with systems, it's pretty amazing. I never have imagined it. <laughs> awesome. All right. If you could automate one thing in your life, doesn't have to be something technical, anything in your life, what would it be? Hmm. Automate anything in my life. Um, laundry. Wouldn't that be awesome if there was a laundry fairy that showed up and just you opened up your drawers and there was clean laundry? Oh, that's that. totally mine. Yep. That's mine as well. And my, and when I, when I tell my kids that, when I say like, I want a robot that does the laundry, they're like, they're like, you're the cleaner does do the laundry. I'm like, yeah, but then I have to put it away. <laughs> like I want the whole thing done. Yeah. You know? End to end. You want it done end to end. I remember my kids, you know, when they're like kindergarten and first grade, they do these little, you know, mother's day cards. And I remember one mother's day, my son gave me a card that said, um, my mom's favorite thing to do is cook and laundry. <laughs> like, just because I do it a lot does not mean it's my favorite thing. Uh, oh, I love that one. These kids' stories, this podcast have been the best. You guys have some colorful children. I love it. Oh, you have no idea. All right. Um, describe one professional regret, if you have one, that you have and what you've thought about that you would do differently. Huh. Well, my gosh, I have so many professional regrets. I'm trying to think of uh, what, what is my biggest one. I think probably looking back at the risks that I didn't take in business sometimes. Um, I was offered a role to do international HR. That's a risk I took and it, and it paid off even though it was, it was challenging for myself and my family at the time. I knew I needed, needed to take that risk. But I think it's the, it's the risks that you don't take um, now I'm naturally more, um, I'm not risk averse, we'll put it that way. I'm very comfortable with risk. So that probably plays into it. But I think if, if for advice I would give people, or if I look back at my professional career, it's the risks that I didn't take or the times where I wasn't sure. Um, you know, I think especially as women, we're much less likely to step out and try something unless we feel like we're 110% qualified. And if you ask a man, he maybe has half the qualifications. He's like, oh yeah, I got this. I can do it. Yeah, give me the job, right? Um, but I think as women, we're, we hold our own selves back by not being, not trusting ourselves to say, you know what, I've got this. I can figure it out. Just piggy, piggybacking off that question, KJ, um, because like I said, you're a C-level at an incredibly visible company in, in Silicon Valley in the world right now, really. Um, there's this trope of kind of the Silicon Valley tech 
uh, executive uh, that is kind of a very specific way. Does it still feel like kind of that boys club to you? Um, what's it like kind of being a woman, a sea level in Silicon Valley? Do you think things have changed a ton? What are you kind of seeing right now? It's changed. It's changed. Now it's not, I wouldn't say that it's gone away. You, you definitely, it's still there, but I think a lot of it depends on the company where you are. I don't feel it at Okta um, as an executive at Okta. Um, I, I think women do sometimes still struggle with imposter syndrome and I have in the past in, in my career, but it depends on the company you're in. Some companies it's rampant. It's still just like it was 10, 20 years ago. And I place that squarely on the shoulders of the leadership. They have to be responsible for changing that culture. And I think it definitely is, is changing, but I think it's something that we all have to keep top of mind and actively be intentional about creating that culture that's not, not the you know, old boys club. We have a, our ERGs, our employee resource groups. We have a women at Okta group, which is very, very active. We also have some fantastic women on our board of directors at Okta, and they have been fabulous about being willing to you know, mentor or be a resource. Um, Shelly Archambault is one of our, uh, is on our board, one of our directors on our board. She's fabulous and she just wrote a book, Unapologetically Ambitious, mm -hmm. which I recommend. It's, it's fantastic. And so I arranged a, a women leadership happy hour, which is going to happen next week. And I said, hey, if anyone doesn't have a copy of this book, let me know. We'll get it. We'll get it mm -hmm. for you. We'll get it shipped to you. Just things like that. But I think um, we also are very intentional and focused at Okta about um, gender parity and trying to make sure that we have we're, we have equal opportunity regardless of gender, race, ethnicity across the board. And you have to be. You have to be very intentional. It's not going to happen on its own if you're not. That's amazing to hear. That's really inspirational. I love that offer to send that book. It's those like little things sometimes that can make such a big difference in people feeling really seen and heard in their company, something small like that, like they're going to send it to me. Yes. To you, you know, it's, it's personal. All right. Well, this was such a wonderful conversation. Thank you. Really incredibly insightful. Thank you for having me. I had fun. I enjoyed this. Thank maybe, you. Who knows, maybe, you know, one day we will all be back together in person. Yeah. Oh. I'm going to manifest it. It will happen. And I will see you on stage at Walk Me's uh, annual conference realize one day and everything we one talk day. about. Will come I to love life. it. I'll be there. I love it. One day. Okay. Yeah. Katie, thank you. It's always awesome speaking to you. I really look forward to the next opportunity. It'll be fun. Thank you. Thank you both. Have a great day. Bye. Bye. Want to hear from more top leaders? All of season one is available now. This is digital adoption.